Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up. We're going to start Galatians 5, uh, and we're going to travel as far as Galatians 6 today. So uh, we are uh, very excited about starting uh, 2019 with you guys. In fact, uh, there are a lot of ways, I think, for the church to start the new year uh, as we consider, okay, what, what do we want to do? In fact, a lot of churches will uh, begin the new year by talking about some um, basic practices that Christians should be putting in their lives, making sure that they're doing them, things like um, prayer and Bible reading and service. And, uh, and we thought about going that route. Uh, we could take the theme of New Year, New You, right? And we could spend some time talking about the new creations that we are uh, in Christ. Uh, for some, we could have, you know, taken consideration that you might be working on New Year's resolutions. And so these first couple of weeks could be really grumpy for you, you know, as you're giving up stuff that you're like, I just need my coffee, um, you know, and make it kind of light and fluffy around here. Um, but that's just kind of not our style. Uh, and so what I thought we would do is spend a couple of weeks as we start the new year talking, doing some heavy lifting and talking about uh, the topic of forgiveness. Uh, not just necessarily the forgiveness that we've experienced with God, but uh, the forgiveness that we need to be, we should be walking in when it comes to the relationships that we find ourselves in. And, uh, and, and so uh, we're going to spend some time talking about forgiveness, how the Christian should be affected by it, how they should walk in it, and how they should uh, give it even when it's hard. And I'll be honest with you, uh, my prayers for you, uh, throughout our weeks in this topic uh, are, uh, as we were talking last week, um, that, that we wouldn't pray prayers that are really small for each other. Uh, and so my prayers are that over these next couple of weeks, God will speak to you in some powerful ways and that He would grant you the boldness and the courage to walk into health. Okay? And so uh, through these weeks, you will hopefully, prayerfully, you will come across conflicts that you have had in your life or you are currently having in your life and you will approach this uh, in a healthy way. And I think the reason why this is helpful to many of us is that when we talk about forgiveness, we have a strange fitting relationship uh, with it. In fact, we'll, we'll find ourselves in a variety of relationships and we'll say things like this, like, okay, so, so you're telling me I'm supposed to forgive him after what he's done? I, I will... Never, never forgive him. Or, or you will say, so you're telling me I'm supposed to forgive myself after what I've done? I will, I will never be able to forgive myself. Or we get to this point where I say, you know, God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus, and you say, He would forgive me for who I am? There's no way He would ever forgive me. And, and so what we're going to see is that though forgiveness plays a role uh, that's basically linked to three realms of our lives, them, us, and God, all of them will be linked into our relationship that we have with God uh, through Jesus. And so, so how we operate in the forgiveness uh, that He's made possible for us in Jesus is going to be very important for us to remember. And so right out of the gate, I want to give you this disclaimer that will carry us 
through these next couple of weeks is that, that if you're wondering if we're going to make an attempt and give you a reason to not walk in forgiveness, just letting you know it won't happen. Uh, that, that there will not be a moment that you get to bring to the table or bring before God an exception that He has not already told you, no, 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 we forgive. Okay, that, that's the way uh, this plays itself out. And what we're going to see is how the tragedy of, of withholding forgiveness is actually a bondage. Uh, that it stifles our ability to love. It will cripple our closest relationships. And it can be, it can be passed from parents to children. Okay? That kind of habit can work itself out. And, and ultimately, not walking in forgiveness is a bondage that chokes us out of the abundant life that Jesus says I've come to give you. And so we're going to explore this mainly um, trying to understand that forgiveness is not something that's suggested in the Bible. Okay? And it's not something that you level up to. When you say, okay, well, one day when I'm a real, you know, teenage Christian, not a baby Christian, I'll be able to do that. No, no. There, there is not a suggestion to walk in forgiveness in the Bible. It's, it's a mandate. But it's not a mandate in the sense of, hey, do something you don't want to do. It's a mandate in the sense of, hey, remember how great what I have done to rescue you in Jesus and then live as a response to that. And, and so there, there are two verses that I pray over these weeks that we, you will get acquainted with as we kind of lead all of this. We go into, uh, Emma, I think we're ready to go. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says this, it says, Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then secondly, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, bearing with one another. So, so basically both of these are, are lists of things that we do. So we bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Okay, we'll, we'll be unpacking these over the next couple of weeks, but these are the two verses that are, that are important to us. And so the question that we're going to be asking these next couple of weeks, and this is the question I hope you carry with you these next couple of weeks, is simply this. How can I forgive myself? How can I forgive others in the way that God has forgiven me by sin in Christ? Because what we'll find are these things are very much related. And so, so today... Um, I, th- I think this will be my least favorite of, of all the weeks. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Not the worst of all the weeks, just my least favorite. Uh, because what we're going to do is we're going to spend our time talking about the devastating effects of a life that's lived in unforgiveness. Uh, talking about when we choose to withhold forgiveness in other people's lives, just how it cripples us. How it leads us to our own destructions. And then next week we'll start building on a solid foundation of, of what it looks like as we respond to the forgiveness that God has given us uh, in Jesus. So let's pray and then we'll get going here. Father, we come to you and we are just so very thankful that we have the privilege to respond to your love that you've given us. And I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin tearing down walls that we have built up. That even in our defenses of hearing about our topic these next couple weeks, that you would give us the courage to walk into that. That you would give us the insight of knowing where in our hearts we're we're not offering uh, forgiveness and where we're withholding all the things that come with, with that. 
So we thank You that You don't call us to light and fluffy moments, that You call us to doing hard work. And we thank You that we don't do the hard work alone, but that You give us a community here and You give us Your Spirit. And we rely on both of those today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I closed my eyes, started walking. I didn't know. Open my eyes. I was like, oh, I'm way further away than where I was supposed to be. All right. So here's one thing I like to do. Anytime we're talking about uh, a topic or a word, I like to give us a definition that we can be on the same page about. And so, so when we talk forgiveness, all right, here's the definition that we're going to be using these next uh, couple weeks. So, so forgiveness is uh, the act of setting someone free from an obligation or a debt to you that is the result of a wrong done against you. Okay? Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is the result of a wrong done to you. Okay? So here's, there's three elements involved uh, when, when forgiveness is needed relationally. That number one, there's the injury. Okay? Something has happened. There, there, there is a need for forgiveness. Number two, there's a debt. Okay? It's incurred. It results from the injury. Number three, there's the cancellation of the debt. It's saying, you owe me, but I'm going to let you... I'm, I'm not going to hold that debt against you any longer. And all three, all three elements are essential if forgiveness is to take place. And, and before we look in more detail at the process, we need to follow the trail of what happens when we choose not to cancel the debt. When we choose. Because forgiveness very much is a choice. Okay? You make the choice to forgive. You make the choice not to forgive. And we want to follow that trail because we need to see uh, just the two paths that are created before us when we're deciding between forgiveness and withholding that forgiveness. And it's important because I believe many people uh, who suffer from an unforgiving spirit, they don't realize that forgiveness is the root of their problem or their lack thereof. Uh, And it's why they end up down a path that they didn't anticipate going down in the first place. And all they know is that they just can't stand to be around certain people. Uh, they, They find themselves wanting to lash out when particular subjects are discussed. They feel uncomfortable around specific uh, personality types. They, they lose their temper over the little things. They constantly struggle with guilt over their sins committed in the past. They, they can't uh, get away from the contradiction of hating people. Even, even the people that they should on paper love the most. They can't figure that out. And what we're going to start exploring is how these um, feelings and how these behavior patterns often indicate a person who's not come to grips, honestly, with the forgiveness of God first uh, and the necessity of forgiveness second. And so, so what we need to begin to understand is that when we choose to not forgive, what happens is we begin to take hostages. We do. I mean, we, we, we are painfully aware on the international front when uh, the topic of hostage-taking comes to, to the forefront, right? When you, when you find that, that, that we are outraged when the news of such an atrocity reaches us, that, and yet when we refuse to forgive others, ourselves for that matter too, uh, there's a sense in which we hold them hostage. No, let me explain. So, so when a person is taken hostage, right? We all, we've all seen the movies, right? We know how this plays itself out. That, that when a person is taken hostage on the international scene, the abductors want something. 
right? There's a demand, and it may be money, maybe weapons, maybe the release of prisoners. Uh, and the message they send, in essence, is this. If you give us what we want, we will give you back what we have taken, okay? If you give us what we want, we will give you back what we've taken. And there's always some sort of uh, condition. It's, it's a ransom. It's what it is. And, and so when we talk about forgiveness, when we refuse to forgive others for a wrong done to us, um, we're essentially saying the same thing. That, that it, but, but instead of withholding people um, hostage and, and until we get our demands, we, we withhold things like love and acceptance and, and, and service and respect and, and kindness and patience or whatever we think they value. We hold that. And we say, until you settle the debt, I will not give you what you really want. And, and so the message is simply this. Is I, I, until I feel you've repaid me for the wrong you've done to me, I will not free you of this conflict of debt. And so if we go back to our definition, we can see that the element missing in this scenario is the cancellation of those debt. It's, it's persons who refuse to forgive, refuse to cancel the debt. Now here's the thing. I haven't said anything that you didn't already know. Right? Because you've been on both sides of the argument, right? You've been the person who deserves forgiveness, and you're like, well, that's not fair. They, I said I was sorry. They should forgive me, right? Aren't they, aren't they forced to do that? That's what we do with our kids, right? We tell them to say you're sorry as if we know that if, just because you say I'm sorry doesn't mean you are sorry, right? You ever tell your kid that, and you're like, uh, you know, it's just easier. Let them just go ahead and say it. And we've been on the other side where we've taken hostage, and usually when we do it, we know we're taking hostages, but we're justified because of what they have done to us. And what we forget in that moment that as believers, and we're going to spend see this over the next few weeks, is that we're mandated to forgive others and to spend time realizing that a person who has an unforgiving spirit is the one who loses the most. They do. They, they lose a lot more sleep than the other people. That, that much more than, than who the grudge is held against. This is, this is easy to see when, when we take a close look at the things most people withhold from those that have wronged them. Uh, not forgiving by, by its very nature. What it does, it, it prevents individuals from following through on many of the specific Christian um, fruits that are supposed to be coming out of our lives. Uh, and, and, and practically it necessitates that we walk by the flesh rather than the Spirit, by definition. So, so, so think about this, okay? Let's do this little exercise in your own mind. Um, think about the last time you were wounded. Think, think about a moment when, you, when someone hurt you relationally or they took something that belonged to you, whether it was a possession or whether it was an opportunity. And now a- answer this question. Immediately following the incident, did you feel like running out and doing something kind for that person? Or did you feel like retaliating? Did you consider responding in gentleness or did you think about letting loose some well-chosen words? Did, did you feel like giving in and accepting the situation or did you feel like fighting for what is right according to you? Did you consider cutting ties altogether, believing that the distance is the same as forgiveness? 
Right? Have you ever said that? You know, they're, they're, it's good. I just don't ever want to see them again. So if we're honest, if we're honest, you probably identify more with the latter of those options, right? I mean, that, that's, that's part of our, uh, really, what we'll find, it's the normal response of the sinful nature. Uh, it's the normal response of walking in the flesh because we don't like being hurt and we definitely don't like being taken advantage of. And so, so but, but think of these responses in light of what Paul's about to say here in Galatians chapter uh, 5 because he's talking about what the fruits of our lives are supposed to look like as we respond to what Christ has done, okay? And so, so when we talk about forgiveness, these things are applied into that. And so he says words like this, uh, Galatians chapter 5. We'll start in uh, verse 22 with this song, apparently. Uh, there we go. But the fruit of the Spirit, okay? So as you are walking with the Holy Spirit, right? Which Jesus said was important that that He goes so the Holy Spirit can come because He will remind you of the things that I've taught you. He will empower you for the work of the Gospel. He will give you a purpose for living a life that glorifies God. He says these things. And we've, we've sung, if you've spent time in church, you're a kid, you sing the song and you know it, but listen to these attributes. These, these are the things that are supposed to come out of your life if you are found in Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says, against these, against such things, there is no law. And those, verse 24, this is important for us, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. We're going to talk about this in a moment. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And then he says, unless you've been wrong, then you don't have to do this at all, right? No, he doesn't say that, in case you're wondering. And so, so we see a fork in the road. We begin to understand why an improper response to injury automatically creates barriers with each other and with God. And with God. So in a broad sense, Paul's list includes all these things we naturally want to hold hostage from people who have hurt us, right? I mean, look at, look at the list. Aren't these the things that you say they don't deserve? And if they don't deserve that from you, then you're not going to give it to them. You're going to hold these things hostage from our relationships. And, and so, so we rarely want to give our love to individuals who have hurt us, right? It doesn't make sense. We certainly have no joy or peace when, when others have injured us in, in some way, we're not generally patient with or kind to people who have wronged us. We, we can just keep going down the list. Every one of these things are things that we do, do not want to give people who have wounded us. But if you jump back a couple of verses, Paul's going to say, you can either be this or you can be that. Okay? And the list that he gives us for that isn't as good as the list that he gives us for this. Alright? So he says this, uh, as we talk about when we're withholding forgiveness, we walk in the flesh. So he says in uh, chapter 19, so we're actually skipping back a couple of verses. He says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. That's, that's a hard thing. So it's evident. You say that there's, no, there's, there's no way we don't see it at play. He's going to say sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Now let's talk about conflicts. Enmity, 
strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Then he says, works of the flesh, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. And he says, I warned you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now for a season, let's just be honest, giving them a piece of your mind will feel good, right? Telling them what you really feel about what they've done, it will feel good for a season. But all of these things, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, all of that, it's something that when you're not wounded and you see clearly, so I, don't, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to live in division. I don't want to have conflict. So this is, this is how we understand this simply, that, that there, there are two paths. There are two paths. The first one is this, that choosing not to forgive equals walking in the flesh. Choosing not to forgive. When you say, hey, do I forgive? Do I not forgive? I'm not going to forgive. Paul will tell you, you're walking in the flesh. And then he says, when you choose to forgive, you get a walk with the Spirit. That an unforgiving spirit prevents a person from being able to consistently walk with the Holy Spirit of God. That's a hard word, but it's true. Because the only choice you leave yourself is to walk according to the flesh. And the consequences of such a life are, are devastating. Paul, Paul will say this in uh, chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. He says, Do not be deceived that God is not mocked. Okay, that's a, boy, that's a great ler- verse for us. Lurse too. It's a great lurse and a great verse. That God is not mocked. He will consistently come in and speak to His people and say, Listen, the game that you're playing is a dangerous one because you think that it's impressing me, but it's not. You can't fool me. You can't bring your bulls and your goats to the altar when your heart is very far from me. And so Paul just says, listen, God cannot be mocked. For whoever, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh uh, will from the flesh reap. And then there's a word he uses here. Corruption. He says you will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Eternal life. So, so the, let's talk about the corruption that Paul mentions. Because he's not necessarily talking about hell, though it can set you on a path towards it. He's talking about the consequences here on earth. He is. If a person or a believer or a non-believer uh, makes decisions according to the impulses and the desires of the flesh, the result will always be corruption. There will always be this, this wrecked, this ruined life. Now, it might not look like it from the outside, but that's exactly what it is. It's crumbling from the inside out. And so those of us who withhold forgiveness reveal we don't understand the enormous amount of forgiveness that God has lavished on us in Christ Jesus. We don't, we don't keep that in mind. And, and by their choice, by our choice, we set ourselves walking down the path of the flesh. And when that happens, we lose every time. Every single time. By, by withholding patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and the rest, the individual is taken hostage by the flesh. That's what we do. We don't realize that we're chaining ourselves, but we are. And so, so the corruption 
what Paul will say is it, it will consume you. It will consume you. If you've been around a person dealing with a lack of forgiveness or, or you are a person dealing with it, you know, you know what I'm talking about. That, that an offender's name is mentioned and all of a sudden there's a recoil. There, there's a sudden burst of, of anger. Uh, there's a frustration. It rises up. Hurt rises up. And, and it's right there and you realize that there, there's a problem. And so, so let me give you some thoughts. If I haven't painted a, a flowery enough picture for you this morning, uh, let's, let's talk about the corruption of, of not forgiving. All right? That number one, number one, it spills into all of the relationships. Every relationship you have will be corrupted when you choose not to walk in forgiveness. That the destructive nature of an unforgiving spirit is such that, that it's not an isolated incident. Re- resentment, negative feelings, they spill over. Uh, and this is one of the reasons a, a person who doesn't offer forgiveness, how they lose out on life. Because unfortunately, people are rarely aware when hostility from one relationship affects their ability to get along with others. That, and so what happens is they try and they try and they try unsuccessfully to work out their differences with others, never realizing the real source of, of the problem. And, and once they get tired of trying and trying and trying, tragedy hits. Because what happens is they excuse their insensitivity as part of their personality and they expect people to work around you. Have you ever had a person like that? They say, take me or leave me, but don't try to change me. This is just who I am. And in the process, what happens is they hurt people, and some are the ones that they love the most. And, and so we see this spill over most often in, in dating and in, in marriages and the most the closest relationships that we share, uh, that, that we carry baggage from one relationship into the next. And, and if forgiveness is forsaken, the wounds that we've received from parents or exes, uh, that, that it affects how our trust is formed and how conflict is, is resolved or, or really just not resolved. And so in many cases, the person, you may have a very legitimate complaint that you really have been wrong. That's the issue that we face here, right? Because you create a scenario where I'm talking about a wrong that you should have just glossed over. No, I'm not talking about that. Some of us have a very legitimate complaint for a wrong that's been done against us, but but our inability or unwillingness to forgive that ends up hurting the people who ultimately weren't responsible for the initial offense, right? Have you ever have you ever been held hostage on that? Like, hey, I wasn't even involved. I wasn't even in. I wasn't even at the house when that happened. I don't know why you're yelling at me about it. And I think another way a lack of forgiveness corrupts is closely tied to this reason, that, that when a person is wronged in some way, whether it's in marriage or business or, or friendship or, or some other relationship, there's always a sense of rejection at play. And number two, rejection causes isolation and barriers. It causes it. The, the classic case would be um, a guy breaks up with his girlfriend, right? And he's leaving her for another girl and so as a response to that wound, as a response to that rejection, she vows she may, she may never love again, not realizing that, guys, we get the better deal, right? Always. Like, if you can dupe a girl into liking you, you've succeeded in life, all right? Um, this is said from a guy who clearly has done that. 
Um, and so, and it's easy to see where, where hurt results from rejection. But, but if we plug this concept into other sets of circumstances, we can see it hold true in every case when, when forgiveness is needed. Uh, because, we, because we experience rejection in one area of life, we build walls in order of, to have this desire to protect us from future pain in different areas. And, and so if you let that grow long enough, uh, number three, rejection leads to bitterness. It will. Our rejection will lead us to bitterness. And, and as rejection evolves into an unforgiving spirit, it's not long before bitterness rears its ugly head, and it takes a terrible, terrible toll. If you've ever spent time with a bitter person, you understand how taxing that is. If you are a bitter person, you understand how painful that is. And again, the real loser is the person who becomes bitter. So many people are plagued because of a wound uh, that became from that came from rejection that never healed and it's infected with bitterness. It's just infected. And since they know there's something wrong, they or, or we, we search for healing in other relationships or, or other opportunities, not realizing that we will never find what we're looking for because we're never actually dealing with where the wound is. We are. It, it's it's kind of like, um, like putting a Band-Aid on your shoulder when you have a gaping wound in your leg, Right? Like, oh, I'm bleeding here. Huh, I'll just put that band-aid on my shoulder. I'll be all good. And you know what happens? You just stay wounded. And so we carry this hurt into other relationships, and we say, I don't understand why I don't feel better now, because you've never dealt with the gaping wound that's, that's resting in your leg, that people harboring unresolved resentment can feel driven to explore all kinds of avenues for release usually ones that, that are not in keeping with Christian values, they're not keeping with the Christian life, uh, and they're destructive to them, which leads to, to our fourth thought, is that, that the longer we withhold forgiveness, the more corruption grows. It does. It just continues to grow. Since the person with the unforgiving spirit is usually waiting for the other person uh, to make restitution, right? a great deal of time can go by. And during this time, these patterns of behavior uh, and incorrect thought begin to develop. They do. In fact, as I mentioned before, one, all of our relationships can become damaged. And the irony of the situation is by refusing to forgive and by waiting for restitution to be made, we allow our personal growth and our development to hinge okay, on the decisions of other people that we don't even like, that we claim we don't even like. You ever, you ever been there? Like, boy, I'll forgive them as soon as they say they're sorry. And it's in that moment that we stop. We stop and we allow others to have control over us in a way, and we're like, well, by definition, I've already said I don't like them. And I think something else that's ironic is that the person who has done the wrong doesn't all the time know that they've done something wrong. Misty and I have been married for 78 years this September. And or 18, there's, there's no way to figure this out. Um, and I assure you, there have been multiple times over the time that we've spent together that I have offended her in ways I didn't even know. And it took us a while to learn that, hey, I can't 
adjust a behavior that I don't know is wrong. Uh, and so unless she brings that to the table, I have a hard time understanding that, that I have offended her in a way. And now imagine, and I think if you're married or dating or have been in a relationship or are breathing, you can get this. That when you offend someone and you don't know it, does it not affect the relationship? And you're like, would you just please, you ever done this? Would you please just tell me what I did so I can say that I'm sorry? Because I, I don't know how to get past this until we deal with this. And so there, there are people that you've offended or that, have, that you are holding an offense against that they have no idea they've offended you. They have no idea how deep the wound runs. And so I think a great deal of hurt and rejection that we face, it, it can be unintentional. That, that, that people make mistakes that are not always malicious, but it feels like it when you're wounded, right? You feel like all wounds you received were malicious. And people are like, no, I'm just an idiot. That's honestly what's happening here. And so we'll talk about, we'll talk about that in these next couple of weeks, about how we resolve those conflicts. And so let's, we can start wrapping this up, Swan. All right, I'm going to give you three things to remember. All right? Three things to remember as we go. This is kind of a, a wrapping it up in a nice little bow, right? And then we'll do a little bit of work. Uh, that, that number one, choosing to withhold forgiveness prevents a person from being able to walk consistently with the Spirit. So if you want to honor God with your life and you're choosing not to forgive people, then I'm telling you, you will only go so far. And eventually what will happen is you will get tired of the Holy Spirit reminding you that, hey, you need to deal with this. You need to deal with it. Have you ever had that moment with the Holy Spirit where He consistently says, hey, you need to deal with this. And you're like, I don't want to deal with this. He's like, you need to deal with it. I don't want to deal with this. And eventually, he will continue to say the same thing over and over and over again, and you will decide to stop listening to him. And then you'll wonder, you'll wonder, why, am I so, why do I feel so far from God? And the Holy Spirit will say, hey, you still need to deal with that thing. You're like, but I don't want to. Well, then this is the result of that. So, so choosing to withhold forgiveness prevents a person from being able to walk consistently with the Spirit. Number two, a person who harbors a lack of forgiveness always loses. You can lose and still feel that you're the winner. <laughs> Number three, if you want to ruin your life. Okay, anybody? Any takers? Any takers like, ooh, 2019, want to wreck this thing, Right? Let's hit the self-sabotage button today if you want to ruin your life. If you want to ruin your life, keep making the choice to not deal with your need to forgive those who have offended you. Just do it. Say, so, you know, I don't care. Just, let's land this morning doing some heart work. Charles Stanley wrote, wrote an incredible book on forgiveness. And, and here's an excerpt of it that I'd like for us just to listen to. It says this. Have you been hurt? Has, has somebody somewhere in your past rejected you in such a way that you still hurt when you think about it? Do you become critical of people in your past uh, the minute their names are mentioned? 
Did you leave home as a child or a college student with, with great relief that you were leaving swearing you would never return? Have you worked hard all your life trying not to become like certain people? Trying not to become like your parents? Are there people in your past upon whom you would enjoy taking revenge? Have you made a pastime out of scheming about how you could get back at them or embarrass them publicly? Were you abused as a child? Did you suffer through your parents' divorce as a child? Were, were your parents taken from you when you were very young? Were you forced by circumstances to pursue a different career from the one you originally wanted to pursue because we all should be professional basketball players? Were you unable to attend the school of your choice because of financial reasons? Were you pushed out of a job opportunity by a greedy friend? Were you promised things by your employer that never came about? And he says, if, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you, you may be on the brink of being set free from a bondage that you didn't even know was keeping you a victim. You may be about to understand for the first time why you act the way you do in certain circumstances, why you cannot seem to control your temper. Uh, you, you may be on the verge of receiving the God-given insight you need to restore your war-torn home, this time for good. And so here's what I think. I think whatever our situation, whatever has happened in your past, remember that you are the loser if you don't deal with an unforgiving spirit. You are. And, and, and the people around you, they're suffering. And now as we kind of laid this warning, right? I told you, this, this is my least favorite of all the weeks because it's the hardest one. Because we have to understand, we have to start to come to grips with, with yeah, there, there are relationships. There are people that come to mind. There are people that I've thought of today as you are talking to me, Bag. There are people and there are wounds that you are causing me to have to deal with. But we never get better until we identify the problem. And so my prayer is that we would start to do that work so that, so that we can be healthy so that our love for Christ can be expressed and known and identified, that people would be able to look at you and say, yeah, they've spent time with Jesus. They've done that. And that through working hard, doing the heavy lifting, and going through the process of resolving conflict and forgiving one another and forgiving other people, that we would be able to get to the end of our time and through this series and say, God is so good. God is good. He's, he's walked us out of an unhealthy thing to a very healthy thing. And He deserves all the glory for it. So my prayer this week is that you wouldn't just have listened and ignored because maybe it was difficult. That you would go spend some time in Galatians 5. And you would ask yourself, okay, God, there are fruits that are supposed to be coming out of my life. And help me have the fruits that you desire.
Help me seek those people I need to forgive. Help me start that process. Because I promise you this, if you ask Him, there will be some people, there will be some moments where both you are the person who is to forgive and you are the person who is to ask for forgiveness. You say, I've wronged you and I'm sorry. It's an amazing thing when God moves in those relationships. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. If you need prayer this morning, we want to pray with you. Maybe, maybe you're starting to, to uncover some of that dirt. You're unearthing some wounds. We, we want to pray with you this morning. Mark and Heather and, and Troy and Jessica, they'll be over here. Maybe you've never experienced the forgiveness of God expressed through Jesus, and we want to walk with you with that. We want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your heart. And that all starts with a step. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you forgive us. That when we don't deserve forgiveness, you grant it to us. We thank you that you love us. And I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that we would be moved. That we would choose to walk in health. We would choose to walk in your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.